Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 44 of Coach Prep, where we're going to talk about throwing and why it's so important. But before we do that, we're going to talk about Cleated Up FP. Cleated Up is the communication tool you need to use to solve all your communication challenges within your team and within your organization. Um, it is a one-stop shop. It's a free app. Check them out at cleatedup.com, and they will be able to solve all your communication challenges. We also want to talk about Nexair. Nexair is a Memphis-based industrial gas, medical gas, research gas, welding supply, and safety PPE supplier. With strategically placed retail locations, sales branches, and distribution centers throughout the southeast, Nexair is never too far away. They maintain centralized product warehouses to serve you better and be more reliable. Through our services, you can receive the products you need when you need them. Our fleet of trucks will get you the gas you need when you need it. If you're interested in any Nexair product or service or just want to talk through your options, please get in touch. Our customer care team at 888-639-2474 will help you find the branch or outside sales rep in your area. Please reach out to Nexair. They'll take care of all your needs. All right. So, Don, throwing. Got to have it. It's one throw, of those things. You can't play. Yeah. The longer I'm around this game, it's the one of the most shocking, most throwing frustrating, and catching, throwing and catching, and craziest things ever. Yeah. And one of the things, you know, for our coaches, uh, we need to make sure we'll, we'll talk about this probably at least twice a year from now until the day we die. We need to have a throwing program, we need to have something built into our daily routine at practice. Um, every time we practice, whether it's once a week or every day of the week, whatever it is, that requires our kids and challenges our kids to work on throwing, catching, and not necessarily just the basic, most fundamental form Focus of throwing. Focus on the details, right? right? But also expanding the toolbox of types of throws that kids can make and that they're comfortable making. Absolutely. No, I think that uh, you know having that routine where they know what is expected of them each day is critical, right? Well, yeah, and I think that... Uh, if we build in time every practice to work on specific throwing skills, it sends a message to our players that it is that valuable. And because we send that message, then they're going to be that much more likely to commit to doing the work on it that they need to do. Absolutely. So one thing that we've always done is, is to try to add a level of commitment to the throwing program is to try to make it um, something where our players feel like a partnership, like a commitment to each other. A real simple thing that I would challenge all our coaches to add to their routine is what we call partner chase. And you and I have talked about this in the past, sure. but I think it's a really uh, important tool to use. So basically, if you and I are throwing, if I throw the ball terribly and you can't catch it... I'm not the only one running. Right. If you've got to run after it, I run with you. If, uh, if I make a great throw and you're just not paying attention and you don't catch it... We're both we're running both the running. same distance. Yeah. And so we're both involved with it. So I think it's important that we start to do some things like that because we want our players to see that throwing is something that we value and that we're going to be holding each other accountable for. See, Tori, that kind of takes away the old, uh, I'm going to be on the foul line when we're playing catch, making the deal. I get the foul line so that I don't have to chase it very far. Right. Right? Yeah, well, hopefully what we do is <laughs> by instilling a little bit more accountability that neither one of us has to chase it very far. I always threw well, I'm just going to say. Right. And uh, so I always wanted to be on the, the fence line. Right. Because when, my partner didn't always throw well. Yeah, and, yeah. and I always uh, use this story, and we've talked about it before, but where this really hit home when I was coaching at Tennessee Tech, early in the year, we would uh, quite often go out on the football field, which was turf. And yep. you know, if you're throwing on a turf field, 
if you throw the ball away, depending upon where you are on the field when you throw it away, that there's ball no, might roll 100 yards, there's 150 no tall yards. There's no grass slowing yeah, that there, down. There's no fence right, right over there to stop it. <laughs> and so it was amazing to me how much better our throwing got when we practiced on the football field. That's what I was going to say. Well, let's start at the 50-yard line, right? So we need to have a throwing program. We need to increase our arm strength, so we're going to have a long toss program. But the other thing I wanted us to talk about today is kind of adding tools to the toolbox, increasing the types of throws that our kids are capable of making. One of the things about our game is is a smaller area that requires a lot of different kinds of throws to be used in different situations. We're not always, you know, just being able to rear back you know, crow hop or shuffle step and throw a missile. Not a full arm. Right. Sometimes, you know, we've got to have the ability to make a short, safe throw. Sometimes we've got to have the ability to handle the ball in really tight quarters. A little backhand. Yeah, all kinds of different options. You know, there's a a great play um, that uh, is on YouTube that if you want to see, you know, this kind of thing in action, Kelsey Stewart, who's uh, now on the Olympic team, who played at University of Florida in a Florida game, is charging a ball, and the only way she can get it to first is to flip it behind her back. Oh wow! Does it makes that play and and ends up being on ESPN that night for the you know top ten plays of the day. So what you're telling me, Tori, is that wasn't the first time that she'd probably done that. Right. I'm guessing she's probably worked on those things all the time. There's right. another famous YouTube clip of Mark Burley when he played for the uh, Chicago White Sox. A ball that got hit down the first baseline, and he's charging like crazy, and he basically makes this barrel roll over the shoulder blind flip throw that makes a, you know, another amazing play. That was, that was the ESPN top 10 play of the game all year that year. It was so amazing. And again, stuff like that is stuff uh, in our game because of the short bases, because of the tight quarters sometimes that our players need to expand their skill set. Tori, I like the one where it's uh, you know into the glove, maybe around second base, something like that, and it's like a glove toss right? rather than taking the time to shuffle it to the hand. And, yep. yep. So, but I've got a list because we did a, an article, a, a cool. blog that Stan shared on Facebook. And so that's uh, going to lead us through this. So, the, like lists. Uh, one, well, yeah, once we get through our usual throwing program and we're working on our arm strength, we've done our long toss, then the next thing we want to do is what we call dart throw. Yep. And dart throw is predominantly used like in a rundown situation, but it's a throw where I'm going to carry the ball high, just like it from the, your ear, like the name sounds, like you're, yep. like you're throwing a dart, and I'm going to be able to throw the ball on the run. So we practice running towards our partner and making that dart throw. It's a, it's a controlled throw. Could be on um, or off stride. Right, and, and, and being able to make that throw no matter what the circumstances are so that if we're in that rundown situation, we're really close to another fielder and we need to throw the ball for a force out. Um, we're really close to another fielder and we need to you know, make that quick little throw to maybe make a tag play, that the dart throw is one that we're going to practice every time we practice. Because you never know when you need to use it and you, when you need it. You need it bad. Right. Um, and we don't want kids trying to figure out how to execute that close quarters throw on game day. For the first time. Because how many of us have seen this happen at least a thousand times in our lives that the play should be made, but the receiver is so petrified because the person who's throwing it to them from 10 or 15 or 20 feet away looks like they're going to throw you the absolute lightning Missile. bolt. yeah. And so the person who should be easily able to catch that ball is flinching and cowering Going, and twisting oh no. <laughs> and hiding and trying to run away from it because they think you're going to throw them a 75-mile-an-hour dart from missile 10 feet away. Yeah, from 10 feet away. So the dart throw is one that we have to definitely practice. Next one is shuttle throw. So shuttle throw, just to explain it, is I'm charging the ball, I am fielding the ball, and flipping it either bare hand or glove hand 
from a very short distance. So let's say I'm the third baseman and it's a squeeze play. Yep. And I'm charging like crazy. I get to the ball and I have a chance to flip it to the catcher. Well, I can either flip it bare hand or I can flip it glove hand, but I don't have time to stop, field it, take it out of the glove and throw it. Kind of like a shovel toss. Right. So like a shuffle, shuttle, whatever you want to call it. And so the shuffle throws to me um, are important because we want to practice them in the infield because there's lots of different situations. Shortstop getting really close to second base needs to make a really soft, controlled throw in a hurry to the second baseman to maybe turn a double player to get the lead runner. That second baseman really close to first base. The pitcher charging in on that short ball um, that's really close to home plate. Anything at the plate. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that we get good at charging the ball aggressively, getting there quickly, and making a nice, easy, soft toss that's easy for our receiver to handle. And Tori, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned uh, double plays and things like that. Getting and receiving a, a really well-placed toss is huge in turning that double play because we're right. talking fractions of a second. And if they're having to uh, alter where their body weight is or anything just so that they can receive that ball comfortably is a difference in a big game right? in a double play or just getting one. Just gaining confidence in our ability to do different things when the ball gets hit to us so we put our defense in the best position we can be. So the next one on my list is the half throw. So again, half throw is a situation where ball gets hit to me, usually in the infield, but not always. Uh, So let's say I'm the second baseman and the ball gets hit to me. I'm a little too far away from first base to shuttle throw. I'm a little too far away to flip. But I'm in, might even might uh, even be feeling down on a knee, right? But yeah. I don't have enough time to stand up, take the ball out of my glove, and throw it normally. So half throw is I field the ball, I throw the ball overhand, but my feet never move. So I'm basically it's a it's an arm throw, it's a slight you know, rotation of the torso throw. My body's going to get into a position to make a good throw with a little bit of a little bit of sauce on it, a little bit of juice on it but without taking the time to reset my feet and move my feet around quite a bit. As you describe it, Tori, I'm sitting here envisioning it. It's awesome. Yeah. Right. You know, and like the second baseman gets that ground ball, she's going to you know, feed the shortstop. Yep. If she moves her feet, she's going to waste a second that we're not going to get the double play. Too long. If she just rotates her body and does a half throw, she makes a good safe throw to the shortstop that's easy for the shortstop to handle, and she can turn it over and turn the double play. Same thing with the shortstop feeding the second baseman, maybe the... Um, third baseman, uh, if she's really, you know, charges a ball and she's really close, you know, off the line in that five, six hole, there's lots of times where that, that half throw would work really well. Absolutely. Okay. The next one is our flips, just like they sound. We've got to work on backhand flips. We've got to work on forehand flips. We have to work on straight on flips. We have to work on side to side flips. We have to work on glove hand only flips. We've got to get to where we can handle that ball in tight quarters no matter how we have to. In Kelsey Stewart's case, the behind-the-back flip. To me, that's one of those ones that not everybody's going to do all the time, but when you're just hanging out, working on things, why not, right? Right. Well, and I think one of the reasons why this is so important, though, why this discussion is important, if you're working on throwing every day and you know you've got time built into your routine to work on throwing, there's no risk in taking an extra 15 seconds, 30 seconds, and work on, well, I'm going to try this behind the back thing. Do five or 10 of them, and you're done. Yeah, and in 30 seconds, you can do three, four, five of them and, and, and start to figure out whether you can do it or not. You the time have... to learn to do it is not when you're on the fly in the game and you're trying to figure out, oh, shoot, how do I get this, this ball all, out of my hand? This is all I got. Right, right. And so when we're doing our throwing program and we're you know doing the small boxes and the four corners and all those different things, that's a great opportunity for our players to experiment with these different things. And once they experiment with them, 
you never know who might be good at it. So Tori, part of the point today too is that you could do work on these things for two hours one day and then forget about it for three weeks, but that's not going to be effective. Right. Right. This needs to be something that we do spend that 30 seconds on each of them or a minute or two on each of right. them and, and create a, a routine that the kids can do and manage on their own. Right. So you're not having to, uh, you know, continually stay on top of it. You might have to in the beginning, but once they get it down, let them rock and roll, do it every day. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I've seen uh, already with our 12 and under team is we've instilling these different things. You know, the kids now get into it and do it all on their own. You know, we have to teach them. Yeah, we have to teach them how to do it the first time. But now we, you know, tell them it's, you know, we're going to do our throwing program, and they'll do the long toss on their own. Then they'll do the, you know, the five by five on their own. Then they'll do the dart throws on their own. Then they do the shuttle throws on their own. Then they do the flips on their own. They do the half throws on their own. They don't need us to stop and while the coaches are organizing the rest of practice, right? Or kind of keeping an eye on what's going on in case you need to make some corrections or give some pointers. But it ends up being something that uh, you know we can work on at every practice for fifteen twenty minutes. And by the time we're done with the throwing program, have done every kind of throw that a player could ever dream of having to make in a game. Absolutely. And so you invest that fifteen twenty minutes at the start of every practice. And then later on, when you're hitting infield and all of a sudden your second baseman's charging that ball like crazy, and the only chance she's got is that behind the back flip or that glove flip we got or that chance. shuttle throw. We got a she's, chance. And she's already practiced it enough that she's thinking, hey, I can shuttle this one. Well, hey, I can flip this one. The thing I like about this, Tori, is once we establish a routine, whatever the routine, everybody could have a little bit slightly different one. But once we establish, establish that routine, these kids are going to be able to do this stuff on their own. We can't practice together every day during the week, especially for travel ball kids. Right. But if they're at home and, and they've got brother, sister, mom, dad, whoever it might be, a neighbor or a teammate coming over, it's like, hey, let's do our flips. Let's do our, our throwing routine. Right. Well, and when we were kids, we used to do stuff like this in, in the neighborhood just to, yeah. to do something for fun. And we would play pickle in the middle for hours. See how crazy. Try, could, trying to figure yeah. out, you know, and, and we got really good at rundowns. Because you know, three or four of us would be out in the alley, we'd be bored, and we'd say, well, let's do pickle. You, you got good at yeah. being in the middle, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so you learned about base running, and you learned about defense. You know, then we would you know, get bored with that, and then we'd go uh, you know, do something off the side of the Dunkin' Donut wall, and the Dunkin' Donut's doing different throws. How many crazy angles can you throw? You know, how much can you look like a, a professional baseball player when you're doing these different things? So I, I can remember working on crazy slides, right? Hook yep. slides and trying to elude the tag. Okay, so we, we're working on all those flips. The next one is we got to work on our pivots. So we got to work on the yep. footwork aspect of this. So we got to have a reverse pivot. We got to be able to get our body turned quickly. Um, we've got to be able to get our body into a good throwing position. And again, something that needs to be worked on consistently so it becomes quick and fluid and efficient instead of being this, uh, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing kind of feeling. So as you're saying that, Tori, I'm seeing a second baseman pushing back from the bag, receiving a throw from short or third, and, and or coming off the front side of the bag, working on the footwork for that, yep. for a shortstop, you know, the the slide or the sweep with the feet, right? Um, getting set to make the throw to first. Yeah. first. First baseman doing a stretch and then getting ready to make a throw to third base. Right. And, and, and figuring out the fastest way to get my feet squared away. So sometimes it might be I replace my feet and, and have a traditional-looking movement, and sometimes it's a reverse pivot where I have to you know, basically spin my body around to get there as fast as I can. And so we got to work on, on those things as part of our throwing program. Nice. Another one that I like is what I call the jump throw. You know, this is the uh, Derek Jeter special for those of us that are you know, major league fans, you know, where you train your body to be able to 
still make a throw even though you are jumping or leaping or you know maybe you're the shortstop you know avoiding that slide or the second baseman avoiding that slide or ball that's taking you away from your throw you know you don't have time to necessarily replant and and reorganize and everything so we have to work on that quick throw on the, you know when the body's still in the air before it's had a chance to reset because you're off balance and right. and you know going in the pocket or whatever and as you're describing that Tori I'm thinking hey that's not going to happen very often but you know what when it does, if you've never done it, our likeliness is not very right. good to get her done. So, yeah. Well, and the thing to me that's fun is when you work on this stuff often enough that the kids start to be comfortable with the idea of trying it. Sure. And you see that once in a lifetime kind of thing. One of my catchphrases has always been if you want to be amazing, you got to practice amazing things. Does that mean the first hundred times you do it, you don't look ridiculous? Well, you might look ridiculous a hundred times. But right. if you win the championship game on the hundred and first try, Mm -hmm. those first hundred don't seem to be that memorable absolutely part of that flip package is being able to handle the ball just with your glove hand only so glove flips you know there's going to be a time when you're so close to that person that you know the easiest and best way to get to them is to pick it up with your glove and flip it out of your glove yep Um, open glove right so so we got to work on those and then the last one and this is one that's starting to gain more and more momentum in our game is throwing on the run so picture that third baseman charging down the line and you know, fielding and throwing without you know stopping her body. Um, the shortstop coming across the infield. You know, the second baseman going away from the play. You know, all those different and situations. Some of those are off stride, right? And yeah. and being able to do it off off stride or on stride so that it feels natural. Mm-hmm. So if we're practicing all those kinds of throws, you know, and like I said before, if if you get your kids up to speed where they know that this is what we're going to do every time we practice, this might be part of that first half hour of practice every day you know, 15, 20, 25 minutes, you have worked on every throw you could possibly make this week. What about the confidence, the feeling of confidence these kids are going to have once they feel like they're, you know, somewhat proficient at all these, right? Right. Well, and that's the big payoff is, you know, the the whole, if you want to be amazing, you have to practice amazing things. If I end up becoming really good at a shuttle throw, if I'm really good at a glove flip, if I'm really good at throwing on the run, all of a sudden, I start to add more and more things to my list. Like, well, if I'm good at this, I can be good at that. Tori, I'm going to throw this out there for the listeners too. It's going to be ugly in the beginning. Oh, absolutely. With the young ones, right? Yeah, yeah. It's going to it's going to be challenging. It's going to be tough, but just stick with it. And um, you know, if we make a strong commitment to making this part of our routine, they're going to get better. Right. Yeah. They're going to get better because if we emphasize it to this level, they're going to know it's important. If we've got the team that our idea of throwing as a skill is, okay, go warm up your arm. Okay, are you ready? And we start hitting infield and throwing balls to bases, we are totally missing the boat. And once they get good at this, we got to keep doing it because if we keep doing it, we can maintain it. If we say, oh, we got this, they can, they can all do it pretty good. Right. It's not going to, it's not going to grow to the point that we're talking about. Right. And, and we want them to, to be able to do something out on that softball field that people are going to go, wow. And if they can do that, what else can right. they accomplish? And, and then right? they're, they're going to just start to believe more and more in themselves. So yeah. coaches, throwing, do it, do it, do it, do it, Thoroughly do it well. some more. Yep. Add all these tools to your toolbox and your team's going to get better. For Coach Don McKinley and our producer Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tory in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio saying thanks very much for listening to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Prep.